The following may contain trigger words for people with certain types of phobias. Listener discretion is advised. I'm not afraid. You will be. You will be. Searching for the unusual, the obscure, the forgotten treasures hidden deep within streaming media. This is the Deep Dive Podcast. Plane in the sun! Get below! Lookouts, get below! Dive the boat! Dive the boat! Take it down 150 feet, steer course 090. Continue to dive. Hello, divers. Don't be afraid. It's just us, your friends, (laughs) here at the Deep Dive Podcast. A never-ending quest to find the best and sometimes worst content hiding in your streaming media libraries. Because you've probably watched everything else. I'm Tom Finney, writer for Wang Shop Movie Magazine, available on Amazon.com. And with me, and without me, as always, is my COVID co-host, the amazing Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah, that's getting better every week. <laughs> yeah, how are you how are you holding up? Oh, yeah, well, uh I'm I'm holding. I'm holding. It just it, it feels honestly like uh the years going by super quick and also super slow at the same time. Yeah, yeah, I get that. It's a weird equilibrium that I'm trying to find. But I'm healthy and I'm what what are they saying? Happy and healthy at home. Yeah. So got a lot to be grateful for, but yeah, man, I'm really bummed out that it's Memorial Day weekend that we're recording this and uh, there isn't going to be a barbecue <laughs> at my parents' house. There isn't going to be any swimming. It, it's a whole new type of year for us. It, it's going to be one for the history books for sure. Absolutely. And they're, they're saying, you know, there's the, um, I think it's AAA that tries to estimate how many people are going to be traveling during holiday weekends and things like that. They're not even oh, going yeah. to venture a guess this time, they said. They said, no, nope, no, nope, <laughs> we're out. We're not even going to do it. So that's how weird it is. People are just not going to. They're not going to go anywhere, you know, I, and, you know, as far as Memorial Day goes, this is certainly one to remember, uh, mm-hmm. because it just, we're, we're in this weird limbo world and, you know, we're, we're trying to come out of it, but then again, maybe not, or is it going to come back and yeah, who knows? Yeah. You just really don't know. I mean, you follow one social media or one you know, media post and it's different from the other one. And I don't know, but you know, something I did do is I went on Amazon and I bought myself a portable grill and that's by awesome. portable. It's really cute. And by portable, I mean, it's like a one to three time use type of deal. It comes in this giant silverware tray with brick authority in, uh, with like some lighter something in and a tiny little grill mesh thing Ooh. and you light it up. Yeah. And then within 10 minutes you're cooking and I put it on my balcony and I don't know if my landlord's okay with that, but we did it and we made some halfway decent burgers. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Do what you can, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I like that. That's pretty cool. How are you doing though? Because you're like in a, you're in a section of, of the world that is normally very, very busy. Yes. <laughs> you know, like gunshots and, and the ambulance rides and all that. It must oh. be very quiet where you're at. It is, it is. Well, you would think, but here's the fun part. Yesterday, 
uh, I'm I'm working. I'm actually you know writing some things for for the podcast, and I hear this explosion, and I'm what? Like, what is going on? And so I go outside, and apparently, and I found I get one of my neighbors. I think you know said this. Apparently, somebody who was driving past our house through like an M80 or something of that nature uh, out of their window and it started a brush fire right next to our house. What? Yeah. And so we had to call the fire department and they had oh to my God. come and put it out before it spread. Cause it was actually, by the time they got there, it already spread. And wow. Yeah. So there's smoke everywhere. You know, all the neighbors are out like looking, staring what's going on and all that. So yeah, that's a kind of excitement I don't need. So people are really bored where you live. Yeah, they they must be. They must be because usually <laughs> it's not until July that we play our favorite game, gunshots or fireworks, uh, in my neighborhood. So yeah, uh, that was you know a little bit a little bit of excitement um, <laughs> that I could you know totally do without. But hey, you know that's yeah, I get it. That's but what same happens goes for you, right? You're at home, family's happy and healthy and safe. Yeah. You know, it's funny. It's like, uh, we all have our bad days where we're kind mm -hmm. of like over it and feeling the, the weight of everything. Uh, mm -hmm. but thankfully we don't have them all at the same time. <laughs> it's usually one, right. one of us is having a bad day and the other one, the other ones are trying to, you know, pick them up. So, right. you know, at least there's that, um, yeah. So we're, you know, we're hanging in there. Luckily, you know, we're, we're doing okay. Uh, it's like I said, it's weird, but hopefully at some point we'll get back to some sense of normalcy. Exactly. But. And I guess the, the last thing is the most important question is, uh, how's pumpkin? Oh, the cat's great. The cat is great. The cat got, we, we were able to get him in for some of his shots. Uh, oh, good. and yep. he got his lion cut for the summer. Oh, so he he's, he looks like he's wearing socks on his feet <laughs> and his tail's all fluffy at the end. It looks like a Q-tip. Uh, oh. But I think he's happier with it because for some reason, either he's more comfortable or he's just scared. We're going to have him do it, have it do it again to him that he's been like very clingy. Oh, <laughs> you know, he's like on our laps all the time and he just like doesn't want to leave us alone. So he's either happy or scared to death that we're going to send him back. Uh, to have that's literally the uh, 180 of my cats. My cats are mad. They just they they do their own thing. I think they're sleeping more, which maybe is not true because of course I'm not home during the day normally. But I think that they are uh, annoyed that we're so uh, in their environment as they see it. Yes. And the normal things that that usually happen, like you know, oh, they come running up to us and they're all playful and lovable and you know, purring. Uh, that hasn't happened in like three months. My cat Dexter just looks at me and says, "You know what? Nah, I'm good." You know, it's funny you mentioned that because just last night I was watching a video with uh, you know, Jackson Galaxy. You know who that is? He's the the cat daddy. Oh, the cat daddy. Yeah. yeah. And he was doing a, a a video about you know how your cats behave during quarantine. And it's interesting because he was saying, yeah, it, it does happen where your cats can get sick of you. And uh, <laughs> what you have to do is, especially if you work at home and, you know, you're on a whole different schedule, is you have to get the cat acclimated to your new schedule. 
So you have to kind yeah. of, if you're going to work at home, uh, play with the cat, give him some good intense playtime before you have to start work. Uh, and then when you're on a break, you want to pay attention to the cat. Then you want to, you know, and so you want to get the cat used to what your schedule is now because they've been used to a certain way of things happening during the day. Uh, right. Which makes right. sense, you know? Yeah, creatures of habit, yeah. And cats are used to having a certain, they, they're used to having a place to go to be by themselves and, you know, have right. some quiet time. And if they don't get that, they get antsy. They get nervous, just like, you know, anybody. So, well, um, I didn't realize that their personal space was the entire house. Yes, and they don't like oh. it when people are walking around their personal space all the time. <laughs> they don't. Apparently, they don't like that very much. <sighs> yeah. So, I don't know. It's kind of crazy. But. Yeah. It is but what it is. we're good. Yeah. And good. we're happy, and, mm -hmm. and we're doing another episode, which is great. And it's really fun because despite not being able to be in the studio, right. technology has been able to connect us and uh, we're still able to do this podcast, which is really fun because I think it's important to stay creative as much as you can in times like this. Um, and if you can't to sort of at least reach out to other people. Yeah. And, and I know speaking for myself, it's, it's mentally healthy to do this. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, you, it's a, it's an outlet. It's, uh, a creative outlet. It gives me something to work on besides actual work. Um, yep. So it's it's a good <laughs> diversion for me, uh, and you know, and it's and and it gives me an excuse to tell everybody else in the house to buzz off for a while. So yeah, that's always <laughs> fun. Um, yeah. Yeah. But you know, for some people, it uh, it's not it's not going great. You know, people have a tough time. I think people that live alone are having a tough time more yeah. than others. Uh, I know that the sort of the frontline uh, workers, you know, are struggling. Uh, yep. And so, you know, it's it's a difficult time for everybody, but more so for some people. And that's a shame. And those people should really be taken care of when this is all over. So 100%. Yep. Uh, now, every, everybody, and this kind of leads us into our topic for today. Uh, you know, we all have fears that we deal with in our daily lives. Some are rational, some mm -hmm. are irrational. Uh, science has given a name to those fears and that's called phobias, right? Some are fairly common. You've got fear of heights, which is acrophobia. Uh, you've got aerophobia. Yeah, aerophobia, which is fear of flying. You know, uh, here's one that I didn't know about. And this is, a, um, this is actually one that's kind of uh, applicable to what we're going through is nosophobia, which is an irrational fear of developing a disease even though it doesn't seem huh. that irrational anymore, but, uh, and a new one, there's a relatively new one. I didn't know that there were new fears. <laughs> like, <laughs> how do you, you know, how do you make new fears? I guess that's, uh, but here's one that's called nomophobia. Have you heard of that one? Is that the one where you're afraid of getting lost? Ah, that's close. It's, uh, the fear of being without your mobile phone. Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and so if you're lost without your phone, you freak out. That is crazy. And you know why there's new phobias? Because the world keeps happening and we keep developing new things that we get dependent on, like our cell phones. Exactly. I mean, honestly, if I were somewhere and I didn't have my phone, I would probably be quite nervous as well, too, because in my mind, I would think, well, how am I going to contact anybody? I don't have money. <laughs> yeah. I don't have, like, there's no telephone boxes anymore. Right. And here's the funny thing, though, uh, it, you know, for with that particular fear, nomophobia, 
Uh, it's an irrational fear of being without your phone. Uh, most people are scared after they lose it. Yeah. <laughs> Not before they lose their phone. So right. it's like, uh, I, you know, they're so scared of losing their phone. They don't want to go out of the house because, oh my God, I'll lose my phone. And, you know, so that's where it gets like that paralyzing thing when it becomes really right. debilitating. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's, that's, you know, that's awful if somebody has to deal with that sort of thing. But, uh, but we're going to talk about uh, some fears today with our, with gotcha. our picks. Um, yep. So for me, I'm going to go with claustrophobia. Uh, but, now, but relevant, relevant. Yes. Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, so claustrophobia is the fear of enclosed spaces. Uh, mm -hmm. According to WebMD, a website you should never go to if you have any symptoms for anything. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Claustrophobia is what's called a specific phobia. That's a fear of certain uh, objects, people, or activities. Um, there are many places that can trigger it, like elevators, tunnels, airplanes, or the average New York City apartment. Um, <laughs> so capturing that feeling, that claustrophobic feeling in a film is not an easy task. It takes a very skilled filmmaker to bring an audience mm -hmm. into an enclosed space while you're watching in a big movie theater or, or at home. So uh, mm -hmm. that's where I'm going to go with both of my picks today. Um, my first pick uh, deals with, um, you know, uh, claustrophobia in a certain certain context. So the past five or so years has seen the rise of the escape room. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Odds are you've <clears> seen <throat> one nestled between your local frozen yogurt shop and vape store. Because uh, it's like <laughs> one of those things. It's like trendy for a while, and then it disappears. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're hot. They, they were hot. They're kind of going down because now nobody wants to be in an enclosed, in an enclosed space with strangers or family members. Um, Unless you're in an intoxicated bachelorette party. Yes. Well, that's the only exception, really. Um, so in, in a very teeny tiny nutshell, an escape room is a themed enclosure where a group of people try to work together and find clues that are around them in order to help them escape. Pretty simple. Uh, mm -hmm. and now that we're all in one form of quarantine or another, our entire lives have become an escape room, but that's, you know, a whole other thing <laughs> in the escape room. The stakes are purely fictional, right? You have a certain mm -hmm. amount of time to find your way out before Something supposedly bad happens, but it's all in good fun. What if there was an escape room where your odds of leaving alive were next to none? I'm not talking about the recent movie called Escape Room because I haven't seen it. My pick. Is it Saw? Nope. Nope. But that's, mm. a, that's a good example, though. My pick is the 1997 Canadian production Cube. A cube. 26 rooms high, 26 rooms across, 17,576 rooms. Does anybody remember how they got here? Why would they throw innocent people in here? Are we being punished? There's a way in here, so there's got to be a way out. Do you think they'd go to all the trouble to build this thing if we could just walk out? Take a good long look around. But I got a feeling it's looking at us. We have about three days without food and water before we're too weak to move. I just want to wake up. I looked in the room down there and something almost cut my head off. Motion detectors integrated into the walls. Top to spot. You're not getting out of here. Yes, we are. There is no way out of here! 
We need to get around the traps. They're identified by crime numbers. We'll figure it out. I can't! I'm not dying in a rat maze! No more talking. No more guessing. You gotta save yourselves from yourselves. Okay. I have not seen this, but I saw previews of it when I was researching this. Yes. So essentially, the, the premise is this. Five strangers wake up in a cubicle-shaped room with no knowledge of how they got there. They quickly realize that the cube is a death trap. If you manage to find your way out of one cube, you find yourself in another cube, each one with its own unique way to kill you. Uh, each, <laughs> Yeah, I know, right? Each successive cube room has its death traps triggered in different ways. Uh, there's some sound, pressure, things like that. Now, as these traps begin claiming victims, the survivors begin turning on each other and becoming almost a worse threat than the cube itself. Uh-huh. Now, one of the five people trapped is not who they appear to be and may have more knowledge of the cube's workings than they let on. So, you know, you're, you're kind of like wondering who, you know, who knows what, who's kind of the mole, who's in there, who's, you know who's who what are the motivations of people are and how they have to try to work together while not being at each other's throats to solve you know solve each cube and get to the next one and even if they do what do they find at the end you know is there a reward or is it just futile they're just gonna they're all just marked to die anyway um so yeah so you know you wonder you're and and what's nice about this is it's one of those films where anybody can die at any time you know you, you right. know, you, you see, you know, what Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, hey, he's not going to die. He's the star of the movie. Uh, but here you have no idea. So you want, you keep wondering who dies, who survives, why are they there? Uh, and what's really good about it also is that there's no easy answers because we don't get any more information than the characters do. Mm-hmm. And that's important because in a lot of movies, you know, more than the characters do. And that makes you just want to say, okay, dummy, you know, here's what's really going on. If you knew this, you'd be fine. Uh, I kind of don't like movies where the audience is smarter than the characters on the screen. Yeah, yeah. I lose interest pretty quickly. Yeah, because it's like, I, you know, I don't want to be spoon-fed this, just like the characters are not being spoon-fed this. So uh, I always appreciate that in a movie where I have just as much information as the characters do, but not more than that. Uh, so I right. like that a lot. Um, so Cube, for me, it's a brilliant premise for a very, very low-budget production. There's one set. There's five actors, really. Um, and the most care and thought are actually given to the setting of the cube. It's like the sixth character. Uh, it was actually designed by a mathematician uh, with each side of the cube being exactly 434 feet long. And, and you know, since they're moving from cube to cube, they had to find a way to make each cube that was exactly the same seem different because, you know, you, so the audience wouldn't get confused. So each time they right. moved to a different cube, the room was a different color. Same layout, but a different color. And it was that, that's very clever because only one cube set was built. So they used different color panels in the walls to show the audience they were in a brand new room. Uh, so I thought that was a great, you know, uh, a great and clever use of space. Uh, yeah, and, definitely. And because of it, the movie does manage to be pretty claustrophobic for its entire 90 minutes. And the acting is pretty solid. And oddly, for a Canadian film, it's not funny. Mm. <laughs> oh, the Canadians are so funny. They really are. They're hey. funny people. Yes. <laughs> so it was actually a pretty decent hit in theaters and on home video. 
which was a pretty big achievement for a film that only cost $350,000 to make. So very low budget, but very, very clever. So I highly recommend if you haven't seen Cube, check it out. The scores, it gets a 7.2 out of 10 on the Internet Movie Database and a 63% yeah, 63 on Rotten Tomatoes. All right. Not bad. Not bad. Oh, and of course, as with any mildly successful film, there were sequels. Because (laughs) why not? Um, So in 2002, Cube 2 Hypercube was released. It added some more high-tech cubes that kind of exist in different dimensions and time frames and all that. But it was kind of more of the same, really wasn't as successful. And then two years after that, Cube Zero was released. And that kind of takes (laughs) us outside the cube for the first time, adds a little bit more world building. It had better special effects, pretty decent reviews. So if I were to go, you know, I'd watch the Cube first, and then for the sequels, I would just go with Cube Zero. And if you're still interested in the premise, you can go to Cube Two. There's, they're not really linear. Uh, right. So you can watch them out of order, and that's okay. So yeah, I mean, if that's something that you're interested in, all of the Cube movies are available for free on Tubi, Vudu, and I don't think we've mentioned this before, the Internet Movie Database's streaming service, IMDb. Oh, what? Yeah, IMDb TV. So if you go to the Internet Movie Database, they actually have something called IMDb TV, which you can uh, use to watch some things for free. Interesting. Yes. About time they got in the game. I know, right? And I think uh, one of their spokesperson, at least for a little while, has been Kevin Smith. So he needs to step up his game so to get people aware of what's going on. (laughs) If you don't mind, I'm going to go ahead because uh, with my second pick, because it kind of ties in a little bit. Oh, yeah, totally. Go ahead. There are many different triggers for claustrophobia. Sometimes it's not the space around you that feels like it's closing in. It can be the, like the consequences of your own actions, uh, the tension, the stress, the guilt over something you've done that can make you feel like the walls are caving in around you, mm-hmm. which, you know, we've all felt that way at one time or another, I think. Oh yeah. To set up the pick. So uh, let me go, let me go back a little bit and some history. In 1924, University students Nathan Leopold and Richard Loeb, convinced of their intellectual superiority over others, decided to commit the perfect crime. This is true. Uh, they kidnapped and murdered a teenage boy after planning every little detail for seven months. Now, the crime that they committed, and they did do it, was decidedly less than perfect. After an intense police investigation, the pressure got to Richard Loeb. He confessed, and they were both convicted and sentenced to life imprisonment. So this crime was the inspiration for my second pick and one of Alfred Hitchcock's most unusual films, 1948's Rope. I'll see you tonight at Brandon's Park. Okay. You can say yes, sir, just as well as in a taxi. Goodbye, darling. Bye. That's the last time she ever saw him alive. And that's the last time you'll ever see him alive. What happened to David Kentley changed my life completely and the lives of seven others. Rope is a fascinating experiment in filmmaking. Much like my first pick, Cube, the film primarily takes place on one set, a very posh Manhattan penthouse apartment. Now, just like Leopold and Loeb, the two main characters are college students and intellectual snobs 
played by John Dahl and Farley Granger. They have just strangled to death one of their classmates with a piece of rope. The pair hide the body inside a wooden chest in the apartment's living room. Now, to further prove their superiority, they have a dinner party that evening in the apartment with family and friends, including the murdered classmate's fiancé and the pair's mentor and academic idol, played by the Tom Hanks of the 1930s and 40s, Jimmy Stewart. Ah. So, thus begins this cat and mouse game. Will anyone put the pieces together? Who will discover the body in the wooden chest? Will Jimmy Stewart figure out what his protégés are up to? And would he support them or turn them in to the police? So, coming from the master of suspense, Alfred Hitchcock, rope is pure excellence in filmmaking. But as I said, it was also an experiment. The film is presented practically in real time and edited to look like it was filmed in one continuous shot. Even though they could only shoot scenes in 10-minute increments because of the limitation of film. Every 10 minutes, they'd have to change the film on the camera. So the whole thing had to be carefully edited to keep the illusion of it being all one take. They couldn't do it, of course, at the time, you know, in the 40s, no digital, so it had to be done on film, and those film canisters only had 10 minutes of film. <laughs> Wow. So they had to cut it in such a way as they would like move the camera to a, a static location and then cut to the next scene while the camera was still in place after they had changed the film and then continue the scene. So oh, it, wow. it's, it's really interesting the way that Hitchcock sort of designed this. He designed the set to be able to move silently while the camera was being moved so they could move stuff out of the way to get the shots that they wanted to do. Um, and in this way, it almost makes the film feel like a stage production. Uh, mm -hmm. It's pretty amazing to watch because as you're doing this, the sort of the suspense keeps building. Are they going to get caught? Are they going to get caught? Who's going to give it up? Is somebody going to make a mistake? Who, you know, will, will someone look in the chest to see what's going on? Uh, and it's really cool because the, even the title rope has a couple of meanings. First of all, it refers to what they used as the murder weapon, but mm -hmm. it also refers to kind of the saying that, uh, you know, you give somebody enough rope, they're going to hang themselves with it. Oh, clever. And so it, it's just, uh, you know, it, it's so because it's all the acting and the dialogue that's it. And that's it. Cause there's no, there's nothing else to look at. Uh, mm -hmm. so yeah, it's, it's a great, great film. Uh, it's one of my favorites. It's not considered one of Hitchcock's best. I don't know why, but you know, after you've watched uh, Psycho and Vertigo and North by Northwest and all the other great ones, check out Rope. I can't recommend it enough. Um, as far as the scores go, it gets an eight out of 10 on internet movie database and a 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. So nice, big scores for Rope. Uh, you can watch it uh, on most streaming services, including iTunes, Amazon Prime, and Vudu for a $3.99 rental. Uh, so yeah, if you're looking for something that's really different, uh, but really just riveting, you know, no special effects, no, you know, no explosions, no, like the ones in my backyard. Uh, yeah, just for, for the straight dialogue and the acting and the suspense, you cannot do much better than rope so it gets my highest recommendation nice yeah. very good mm. i am definitely interested in that one it's so good you got to check it out 
Oh, will do. So, you know, what's interesting is that how some fears or some phobias are phobias for people, but not others. Yeah. I don't seem to be affected by claustrophobia too much. Um, I don't mind elevators. I don't mind kind of, um, you know, being in the woods, being surrounded by like lots of trees and not really knowing where I'm at mm. or, you know, I could even go in caves if we had caves around here because I think it'd be cool to be underground. But the opposite of that for me is what terrifies me. And of course, I'm talking about thalassophobia, which is huh? the fear of thalassophobia. It's the fear of... <laughs> it's the giant, intense, and persistent fear of deep bodies of water. Oh. Or the... Or it could be interpreted as the vast emptiness of the sea. Uh, you know, uh, of things... Of being very far distant from from the from the beach. Let's say if you're at the beach and how far you go from the the beach line, and that you know can kind of trigger like, oh my god, I'm far away. But anyways, the reason why I picked this is because I was I happened to be reading a book um, a little while ago because one of my creative outlets is reading, and I've gotten through I think eleven books so far. Huh. Wow, yeah. that's pretty good so, actually. Yeah, it's not bad, but. Um, I picked up Nathaniel Philbrick's In the Heart of the Sea uh, because I love him as an author. He's a local author, actually. He's uh, from Nantucket, I believe. Um, And he does a lot of, yeah, a lot of historical nonfiction, which is right up my alley. Um, He uh, he wrote one about the Mayflower, actually. uh, And I was drawn in by that book. But anyways, I picked up the book and I started reading it. And I did some research on it. So his book is an adaptation of Herman Melville's book, Moby Dick, uh, yes, which is also based on a true story, the whale ship Essex that actually was uh, attacked and sunk by a giant sperm whale. Mm. So let me back during that. <clears throat> In the very late, um, or I should say early 1800s, so about 1815, 1820, something like that, um, the whale ship Essex, which, by the way, happened to be an American whaler ship from Nantucket, Massachusetts, hence why it's called Essex, Mm -hmm. um, was set out, and it was in the Pacific Ocean where it was attacked and eventually sunk by a giant sperm whale. Now, of course, Herman Melville took the story and sensationalized it enough where now we, we know of only Moby Dick, right. um, this giant white whale. Uh, whether or not it was actually white, I'm not quite sure about that. But anyways, the ship went down and the there were survivors. Now, where it gets to be really uh, tricky and also very uncomfortable, I guess, um, is that the survivors were then, you know, they were up against dehydration which is interesting when you're in a bed of water, but of course, salt water, water, uh, starvation, of course, and exposure. Uh, The survivors eventually uh, resorted to cannibalism. So, yeah. So it's one of those things where that is the, I I think people would say that that's the the end of the rope. No no pun intended, but, Mm. you know, for humans, you know, do you go as far as, say the Donner Party did or, or, or this here. And there's actually plenty of stories throughout human history where um, humans have engaged in the consumption of other humans to survive. Um, you know, there was a, I think there was a plane crash maybe in the seventies or something with a, a soccer team on board yes. somewhere mm-hmm. in Brazil. Yeah. Um, and, and there are reports of cannibalism there too. But anyways, 
this was a huge, a huge blow to um, not only our quote unquote whaling industry up in New England during that time, but it gave way to the real fear that there are giant animals, uh, like proven giant animals in this, this vast emptiness of the sea that could kill us. Now, previous to this, there weren't exactly too many shark uh like attacks because I think the first shark attack happened in I want to say Jersey, but it wasn't until like maybe late or mid to late uh, 1800s, and then that then of course bring around Jaws, and then everyone's afraid of sharks. But um, yeah, so the ship goes down, and it it inspires Herman Melville about 30 years ago to write Moby Dick. Moby Dick is probably one of the I think most famous uh, written works. Um, in fact, I think I read somewhere that it, it, in terms of like a list of, let's say, one through five, it's probably number five of the most read uh, pieces of, of literature in the world. So it probably goes like something like the Bible, some other religious books, and then Harry Potter, and then this. It's probably the most hated by <laughs> high school students, though. Oh, I actually, I've never read Moby Dick fully. I, I gave up about probably four chapters in, and I just ended up using cheat sheets online when I was in high school. It's just so much. Now, you got to wonder, well, how did this actually come about? It's because he met uh, he met one of the survivors um, and he basically took what he said and fictionalized it, of course, but made it so scary that people started developing these fears of open wow. water. Hence. Yeah, so a lot of people when they were in back then, when they were actually seeing medical professionals, but of course not not in public because then you'd be scrutinized. But whatever. Nowadays, um, scientists basically say Moby Dick incited this fear, this thalassophobia in people, such as they had never seen before, because now now humans were becoming more mobile, more more apt to to technology in terms of what was available then. So you know, making the fastest wooden ship and the fastest whaler or whatever it was. Uh, and here comes the whale ship Essex, which gets sunken by a giant whale. Um, by the way, sperm whales are actually regularly hunted by orca whales, so they're not necessarily that huge. Mm -hmm. um, but just just for reference. Anyways, so I chose In the Heart of the Sea. It's a movie that came out recently, I think 2015 maybe. Um, and it's based on Nathaniel Silbrook's book, of this Silbrick's book of the same title, which is based on Melville, which is based on the uh, his, the actual historical event. Monsters, are they real? I believe you have seen things no one else has seen. He's been following us! Over! Are you scared? Say it! I live and breathe. He's mine. In the heart of the sea, rated PG-13, December 11th. There's a little bit of, uh, you know, degrees from originally what happened. But basically, you have people like um, Chris Helmsworth is in it, too, actually. Really? He plays wow. The yeah. He plays the captain. Tom Holland is in it. Oh, uh, Killian Murphy, if you like him. Wow. Um, yeah, so there's some big name people in here. It it didn't actually do too too well. Um, and the reason why I won't go so much into the, the movie itself because it doesn't it doesn't really differ too too much from uh, Philbrick's 
book. I mean, there's obviously some things, but not too, too much. So if you do a little bit of history or you've just kind of listened to what I was saying about the uh, actual wheelship, you kind of get the premise, right? Sure, sure. So, so it it didn't do too well in terms of ratings. Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 43. Hmm. IMDb gave it a respectable 6.9, so it's not too, too bad. Yeah. Um, it's not available anywhere for free that I know, but you can rent it across basically every platform we've ever talked about for about three bucks. It's definitely worth, I think, watching because it's a different type of adventure movie and it has, you know, some of our, our well-known actors in it, but it also kind of, I don't know, for me, it really got me thinking about how I would feel if I were this 19th century sailor stuck in this ship. Now, as I said before, I probably wouldn't be bothered by having really small confined spaces, but being on the open ocean with no land in sight, that ominous feeling of not knowing anything, that's where I think humans kind of, we lose all touch of reality. We just, we don't want to know about it. We get afraid. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it is just, it terrified me. So when he was describing it in the book, I, he of course used some colorful language, but it really struck me as being, wow, this is something that I'm actually pretty terrified about. And I bet a lot of other people are. Cue my research. <laughs> Reddit has its own thalassophobia uh, subreddit, and oh. I got to tell you, they 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 post some pretty terrifying things. Open water pictures, or like, um, it's crazy because I think at its heart, this phobia really has to do with scale, how small we are compared to basically everything in the world. Yeah, so it's basically um, an existential fear. Yeah, exactly. So I could go to the beach and I could be swimming around the ocean for hours and be totally happy. But if I really stop to think about it and think, wow, I'm this far away from there. I'm in the middle of the ocean that you have no idea what's underneath you. Uh, it, it's nuts. I mean, here's the thing. The ocean's pretty much clear, right? Yeah. <laughs> but it's the lack of sunlight that makes it dark. So the further you go, of course, the lack of sun, the less sun you get, you can't see anything. So can you imagine, though, if we were swimming in the ocean, it was completely clear and you could see everything? I don't know if people would ever get back in <laughs> because they would they would see everything that was in there. So there wouldn't really be a thalassophobia. There would just be like a, a phobia of the ocean. Like, don't want to go near it. Yeah. But anyways, so uh, that was my pick. I, I kind of went off the deep end on that. I got oh, into a huge rabbit hole. Oh, yeah. Da, 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 da. Mm -hmm. uh, I got into a huge rabbit hole, as it were, with that one. But I, I will tell you, uh, if you have any interest whatsoever on reading up on the actual whale ship, it will lead you into a bunch of other things, especially uh, around the sort of New England slash Massachusetts um, fishery history. It's actually really, really interesting to read about. Like there's a, a good book called Cod. Um, and it's really based on, on our fishing industry and how we corner the market and how we're basically to blame for the lack of cod in the oceans these days. Uh, it's, yeah, it's crazy. But anyways, that's my pick. You should check it out. Chris Helmsworth is in it. He's a really decent actor in it. Uh, Tom Holland was good in it. I love Killian Murphy, so I'm always going to watch something he's in. Uh, but yeah, good to go. Yeah, that's actually pretty cool. You know, it's funny um, that the phobia that you mentioned – um, reminds me of another one. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of it called apiriophobia, uh, which is the fear of infinity or eternity. Uh, if what? You, no yeah, way. It's about, you know, it's basically, you know, you can't, you can't get your mind around the concept of infinity or nothingness or eternity. And it's one of those things where, you know, you can't sleep and you're, you know, 
tossing and turning, your brain sort of feeds on itself, where you kind of go down that rabbit hole where you wonder, okay, what is nothing? What is eternity? How big is the universe? What's before? What's after? And all that stuff. And you get a spiral down that way. But that's kind mm -hmm. of similar to that, what you're talking about with the, you know, open. Like it's just, it's too much. It's too open. You feel too yeah. small. So yeah. yeah, it kind of reminded me of that fear, which I thought was kind of interesting because it's more, it's not a specific phobia about like drowning. That's a different thing, but it's that sort of right. existential phobia of sort of being alone in an open space. And there's sort of that, that, that sort of wide open emptiness, which is mm -hmm. just, yeah. So that's interesting that, you know, that it's that there's like basically two different phobias that kind of are, are connected to each other, but one is sort of uh, for a specific area and the other is for like everything, like infinity. Right, exactly. I think most phobias probably have connections to others, but I bet people who are smarter than us will determine which phobia is the predominant one due to some other factors, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, phobias are pretty much anyway genetically hardwired, I think, in a lot of ways, uh, because most of them can be traced back to, you know, when we were just foraging. Yeah, definitely. You know, they all have some kind of specific trigger. If people are afraid of spiders because, you know, there are spiders that are mm -hmm. poisonous and can can hurt you. And, you know, so right. you know, almost all these fears, whether they're irrational or not, are really rooted in some, you know, evolutionary byproduct of our past. So, yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, it's a fascinating subject and one I think we should probably take a closer look at in the future because it is kind of, you know, it is it is kind of a wild thing to think about that this, these things we don't have any control over when we feel ourselves as being these superior creatures with superior intellect and all that. Uh, and, then there's, <laughs> and then there's Florida. So uh, <laughs> Florida, not like the rest of us. Yeah, yeah, basically. So, yeah, I like that. It's a good topic. Yeah, well, kind I mean, it's, it's probably... It's it is fun and, and we are joking about it, but I mean, of course it is relevant now because some folks are, are dealing with some, some definite triggers for, you know, depending on what's going on in their area of the world, which for everybody, I think most people are kind of locked down. They're in their house, at least from my experience. So, you know, I can definitely see people maybe developing and that's the interesting about phobias too, is that they don't, not all of them are just intrinsically, um, uh, bred or in your genes, some of them are actually developed. Now, of course, they they spawn from other things. I think, but the great the the interesting thing about today's times is that I'm reading a lot of articles where, um, you know, psychologists and psychiatrists are are really kind of concerned about folks developing the fear of going outside. Mm. Uh, I think it's called agoraphobia. Agoraphobia, yeah, yeah. Who who had never had that before? Super extroverted, but just don't want to go outside um and there's that that sort of like barrier that is placed upon you um but that you feed into by becoming more and more afraid of it or whatever the case may be i mean mm -hmm. there's also some folks who are who are who are feeling claustrophobic in their homes who had never experienced it before right. but despite their homes not changing size and it being normal forever being forced within these four walls can kind of trigger or develop these sort of phobias. So it, I guess what I'm saying is that it's normal. Um, and if you happen to be feeling some of these feelings, it's, it's not a bad time to reach out to somebody. Absolutely. Um, taking care of yourself physically is one thing, but taking mm -hmm. care of yourself mentally is always uh, a good idea. Absolutely. Um, so 
you know, there's plenty of resources out there is all we're saying. Uh, and obviously listen to our podcast. You will help with that. <laughs> or make it worse, one or the other. One or the other, yeah. One or the yeah. other. That reminds me, have you heard of the um, uh, what they're calling um, spotophobia? No. Well, that's the fear of having to pay to listen to Joe Rogan's podcast on Spotify. <laughs> That's a big oh, one. Oh no, I'm good. I'm good with the short clips I get on YouTube because I get really frustrated with that guy very easily. Mm. I'm sorry. Don't don't hate us. Whoever is his management company. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I'd rather not. Think good old Apple Podcasts free. Where guess what? You guys can rate us, and the more ratings we get, the easier it is for us to reach lots of people. Absolutely. You know, spread the word, not the virus. That's what we say. Yeah, we've been saying that all along. <laughs> yes. Our podcast is just as contagious and it's better <laughs> for you. So, yeah. Yeah. so there's that. So to recap our picks, uh, I picked Cube and the Alfred Hitchcock film Rope. Um, and Manda's pick was In the Heart of the Sea. Is that correct? That is correct. In the Heart of the Sea. I do have a few honorable mentions. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Um, me too. The uh, German World War II submarine drama Das Boot. Oh, yeah. Which is very claustrophobic. Uh, panic... they're all in a submarine, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, panic Room with Jodie Foster and Kristen Stewart, where they hide oh, from, yeah. you know, they're hiding from home invaders in a panic room, and Kristen Stewart's diabetic. She needs her insulin and all that. Ugh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And finally, The Descent, which is about six women exploring a cave and they find something very nasty living there. Oh. So that's a creepy one too. So yeah, those are my honorable mentions. Yeah, I was thinking I was thinking about speed. Oh yeah. Remember, absolutely. Yeah, remember they're they're they have to keep speeding in the bus, but it's the same deal. You're in a small space that you can't leave. Right. You can't and then get I was, out, I was yeah. also exactly and then I was also thinking about that movie. I think it's called hundred and thirty seven hours is that where oh, the yeah, hiker yeah. yeah, he gets caught in between two rocks and you know, ends up cutting off his own arm, but I won't spoil it for you. No, um, you just did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but those are my honorable mentions. I I think I like a good scare movie, but sometimes I like a lot a, pro, a thought provoking movie. Oh yeah. Like like um something like that because mm -hmm. it makes me think. Oh wow, is that something that actually scares me too? Yeah, yeah. That's a. Ugh. I don't even want to like take my mind into that area because <laughs> that's just yeah. too freaky. Yeah. Know, yeah, because I, I know I know I'd be dead. So I just like that's it, <laughs> just done. You know why not? Yeah, yeah. Come get me, buzzards. Like I, I would never be in a German submarine boat. Oh, well, that I've done. So uh, that's oh, a long, really? That's a long story. But anyway, okay, <laughs> we won't go into that right now. Uh, but sure. <laughs> so yeah, I mean now, okay. So I think that kind of that's going to do it for. Uh, this episode, I know it was not exactly, uh, the most uplifting of topics. I get it. Uh, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. You know, uh, we have to talk about these things and, and get them out in the open. Um, so, you know, I, I, I consider it a public service, honestly, and not just because we're oh, yeah. paid. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a, definitely yeah. a free public service. Yes. A free public service. So, um, now I think the, the next episode of the deep dive microcast will go in a little bit of a different direction. Um, I think it is going to be a laugh riot. Uh, Ooh. if for no other reason, then we are going to take a look at the history 
of the laugh track. <laughs> yeah. See, I knew you'd feel better about that. Oh, thank you. Thanks, yeah. everybody. Wow, you guys are great. Yeah. All right. That was wonderful. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so that'll be interesting. It's actually more uh, involved than you might think. So how the laugh track came to be. So, yeah. Hmm. So that should be fun. All right. Interesting. Yeah. So well, we will be back with our regularly funny, jokey podcast. That's yeah, at what some we do. point when we feel like it. When we feel like it. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows when that's going to be, though? Uh, yeah, we'll figure it out. But stay tuned. You can always find us on Instagram. We're at the Deep Dive Podcast. Mm -hmm. Or you can go to our website, thedeepdivepodcast.com, where you can find all of our old episodes, yes. links to our social medias, and our merch store, mm -hmm. which yeah. you can use to make masks. You can. They make great masks. They are no, not, they don't. They're not N95 uh, nope, nope. in any way, shape, or form. They are guaranteed to not block particles. Um, yep. But they look great. Yep, exactly. Mm -hmm. And that's really what if counts. If you're staying home, who cares? Yeah, you wear your mask around the house. I mean, you're going to play cops and robbers. It's great. Fun. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> thank you, everybody. We want to thank uh, all of our listeners. We, we know that, you know, sometimes it can be hard to take the time to listen to a podcast these days when you're not driving to work. Because uh, I yeah, know that true. listenership is down uh, for podcasts mm -hmm. overall, which is kind of a bummer. But I think that'll that'll come back at some point. But we do appreciate you listening to us. Absolutely. absolutely. We appreciate your feedback. Uh, we appreciate your suggestions and ideas. So by all means, please, please, please keep in touch. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you like and what you don't like. All right. Absolutely. Now, on behalf of The Amazing Mandalorian. And myself, Tom Feeney. Please stay healthy and stay with us. See ya. Bye-bye. You can find links to our Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram feeds on our website, thedeepdivepodcast.com. If you like us, please subscribe. All clips are intended for educational use only and not to infringe on existing copyrights. Our theme music was produced by Ryan Blaney and EchoCraft. Thanks for listening. podcast is a production of automaton studios are you afraid of staircases if you are then you have climacophobia maybe you have thalassophobia this is fear of the ocean or jeffrobia which is the fear of crossing bridges or maybe you have pantophobia do you think you have pantophobia what's pantophobia the fear of everything that's it <laughs>